Welcome to the Enneagram 2.0 podcast. I'm Beatrice Chestnut. And I'm Uranio Paez. And today we are talking about our experience at a conference that we just attended over the weekend, uh, the International Enneagram Association affiliate in Cairo, Egypt, put on a beautiful conference the last three days. Uh, we just uh, attended those three days, and we're going to be talking about uh, what what we experienced at the conference. It's kind of a report from the IEA Egypt 2022 uh, conference here in Cairo, Egypt. So we are speaking from Cairo, and we apologize for the different microphone that we are using right now. It's probably not the same quality we usually have for audio, but we are hoping it's good enough to keep your interest uh, while we talk about this trip we're having. We also want to share with you a little bit of what we go through when we travel, because coming to a conference, and we are also going to do several of our courses in here right after, um, means that we, we get in touch with a lot of content that both we develop ourselves and content from other teachers. But not only that, we get a lot of inner work for ourselves, especially because we get to see very special people. And we thought we would spend today's podcast talking a little bit about the highlights from this conference, just to share with you um, some things that might you might find interesting that happened at this conference. And you know, one of, I think, the, the big honors of being able to participate in the international Enneagram community is uh, one of the things that we're lucky about is being able to meet people all over the world that share our interest and passion in the Enneagram. Right. Before we talk about our highlights, maybe you could uh, explain what we did here, B. Sure. So um, this was an incredibly well-organized uh -huh. conference. Um, put on by local volunteers. Uh, there was uh, Maggie Balba was the conference chair, and she organized a, an incredible team of people that couldn't have been um, more helpful and welcoming. And they put on a conference in, I think, some difficult circumstances because you know organizing a conference is always a lot of work. Uh, but during COVID there was always this threat or this fear or this idea that it might not happen. And I'm sure there were people who understandably um, didn't come who might have um, otherwise been here. Uh, but the people who were here had an amazing experience. And I think this may have been one of the first in-person conferences in the Enneagram community in the last couple of years. So there was that too. There was this really uh, an amazingly great feeling of being together and sharing ideas uh, in an atmosphere that I, th I found very open and friendly, which I think mirrors the, the, the Egyptians and the warmth uh, and the heart that they bring uh, to the things they do and the way they interact. Yeah, thanks, Alia. Thanks, Maggie. Thanks, Rania, and all the organizing committee. Yes. So, and, and you and I did uh, presentations of our own at the conference. Right. Yeah. You were the keynote speaker, actually. So, you gave a talk on Friday morning that, um, that was the first uh, 
plenary session that everyone attended for for the conference. You set the tone. Uh, Do you want to say anything about what your experience was of doing the keynote address? It's quite a big honor. uh, And it was it was exciting to see you play that role here. Yeah, quite a big honor. And I was happy to do it. And um, I talked a little bit about the levels of awareness, trying to convey the message of uh, doing the work without bypassing just true spiritual experiences and looking inside and seeing our shadows and owning them. And at the same time, understanding that when we talk about the conference theme, which was very well chosen in my view, as above, so below, we need to look inside and see what kind of reflection we are bringing with us a reflection of what given that we have so much potential so much beauty within us and that we have all been engaging with warfare inside and out with our personalities so not only seeing what's happening in the world but also looking inside and seeing the not so good parts that we may have been playing which connects to um, looking at personality for what it is, which is something not so good. And uh, yeah, and I did a few more things. And um, apart from some technical issues that I had with my <laughs> my audio and my videos, um, I think I managed to convey uh, the message I wanted. Yeah, you're... you're... Your presentation reminded me a little bit of something Eckhart Tolle says, which is you showed some really startling video of, you know, some of the more difficult circumstances around the world, you know, the buildup of garbage and trash and the pollution of the environment and not dealing with global warming and hunger, uh, things like that. Uh, political division, sort of, you kind of made the point, the world is in kind of a difficult place. Um, But when we work on ourselves, when we clean up our own internal shit, um, we really help the collective. And it reminded me of an Eckhart Tolle, something he says, which is, you know, the, the, our atmosphere, our world is polluted. And we add to that when our minds are polluted, you know, when we are, Kind of stuck in what you called shit. You you really emphasized uh, the theme of we all have to own our shit. We all have shit. You know we need to clean up the shit in the world, and we need to clean up. Uh, and by shit, we mean you know negative ideas, um, ego based uh, self interest, uh, the things that make us blind to our own path to liber- liberation to getting better, to feeling better, to being healthier on all levels. And when we do that individually, we contribute to uh, the collective consciousness of raising our level of awareness to the point where we can make better choices that lead to um, a healthier planet. Right. And then you did a wonderful presentation, very well received, about um, history of the Enneagram but a bit more the hidden history, tracing back um, some origins. But above all, what I liked was seeing uh, you offering a hypothesis of 
how those different influences interconnect, like how the Enneagram wisdom um, flowed from one influence to another throughout history. Would you like to say briefly about that? Maybe in the future we'll record a podcast on that. Yeah, yeah. I think we, we want to record a whole podcast on the history of <laughs> the Enneagram and the teaching connected to it. I would say that um, what really inspired me to do this presentation, and this was something I had to create uh, brand new. A lot of the work I do, you know, is based on the books I've written and things I've done before, courses we've taught before. Um, you know, sometimes it's putting in a different package or presenting it in a new way or finding ways to be clearer or more interesting and engaging when we're talking about the Enneagram material. But this was some really new research that I had been really wanting to do for a long time. And I feel such a strong pull. I feel so motivated to really do deeper research that really traces the origins of the Enneagram. And I think all of us who like the Enneagram, when we talk about it with the people around us at parties or uh, in different settings, often people say, well, where did this come from? You know, mm -hmm. what are the origins of this? Who invented this? And it's hard to answer that question. Um, I have a question I usually uh, prepare when I'm, say, in a business setting or a with a team or something like that. Usually it's very a short answer. It's something very simple that doesn't get into uh, a topic that could be very complicated. But for this conference, I was really inspired by the conference theme. As you said, the conference organizers chose the theme of as above, so below. And that I think is a really different direction to go for a conference theme in that they're referencing this, this esoteric kind of truth, this verbal formula that is, has very ancient roots, um, certainly in ancient Egypt, but maybe even before that. And we're talking thousands of years BC, as above, so below is a phrase that comes from something that not everyone has heard of, which is the Emerald Tablet of Hermes Trismegistus. Right now, I won't get into who Hermes Trismegistus is or the, what the Emerald Tablet is, but just know for this podcast that it's a very ancient fragment of probably a larger set of works. It, there's a lot of debate about where it actually comes from, but it comes from this figure, uh, real or mythic, uh, of Hermes Trismegistus and uh, some works that are attributed to him. And this emerald table is very, very important. And you see this theme in many different ways. And as above, so below itself is the idea that uh, the same laws uh, apply to different levels or different planes of human experience. And if we, it's like man is the microcosm, the universe or the cosmos is the macrocosm, and that there's a similarity or an analogic uh, connection between lower planes and higher planes, which all leads up to something that we often say in the Enneagram world, which is if we study ourselves, we learn about much more than just ourselves. The idea that the human being is, even the human body, it has certain aspects that you find in different kinds of 
planes of experience. I remember um, it was lovely to see Marion Gilbert uh, here at this conference, and she did a, a great presentation. And one of the things uh, she showed in her slides was amazing. There was a, a picture of a human brain cell that was really, really um, magnified, and then a picture of a galaxy, and they looked totally similar. And then she had a picture of a human lung and all the little tributaries and branches that come in, in it if you do an x-ray of a human lung. And then she had right next to it a picture of a tree branch and all these trees, and they looked the same. And so this idea that there are correspondences uh, is very important. So as above, so below was, a, was the conference theme, very unusual, but for me, really, really inspiring. Beautiful. <clears throat> and maybe I can ask you now then, what are some of your highlights? I think you started by yes. talking about one or two presentations. Yes. Yeah, I would say it was a real honor for me to present at this conference in particular, partly because um, Egypt has become very close to my heart. Um, the people, I would say one highlight is just the people, uh, both the people from the international Enneagram community that were here, the friends and colleagues uh, that we get to see, some of whom we haven't seen in a while, um, some friends of mine from the UK, some friends of ours from Italy, um, some friends from the US. Um, it was just great to be with people in person, um, but especially being with the Egyptian people. Uh, there's something about the Egyptians, especially I think in the Enneagram community, they bring such a deep interest, uh, an enthusiasm, an aliveness. Uh, and so being here in this atmosphere with these people uh, was really, really incredible. Yeah, I'm, you know, you know how Egyptians are very dear to me too, and how I feel good when coming to this land, um, but it, it it's a lot about some friends we also have here from uh, this wonderful school called the Field of Awakening, run by our friend Abdurrahman Abdullah, that uh, with whom we recorded a podcast episode on Type Nines, Type uh, the Nines, and and also people who work with him many, many people and teachers from the field of awakening, including Dina, Rania. So we're all very blessed to be able to partner with them. But um, when it comes to some other highlights, I think that sometimes in, in conferences, um, some of the highlights don't happen during presentations. They happen inside talks when we you know, we have a slightly longer breakfast with someone. So one thing that I really liked was getting together with Russ Hudson, who I really appreciate, like, and uh, talking about deep things connected to Egypt. Uh, and also with several other friends uh, in this parallel conference that happens. Yeah, yeah. We had a really nice dinner with Russ Hudson, um, and it's always such a pleasure to talk with him. Um, we got we, we spontaneously had breakfast with Trent Thornley, mm -hmm. who's become a good friend of mine. He's the current president of the IEA Global uh, Organization, International Enneagram Association uh, Global President, and he's such a good guy. 
and he's doing so many good things um, in the International Enneagram Association on the board of directors. Um, and he's just a funny person and it just a he, he's just he's just a, he's become someone I really really like so we got to see him and I finally met him and you finally met him I've been wanting you to meet him for a long time and just many other friends that we got to talk to and be with uh, in a wonderful way um, what what other highlights would you would you point to in your experience well <clears throat> I think that uh, it touches me deeply uh, to see that for Egyptians it's it's more natural and simpler and, and just easy to connect the Enneagram to spirituality and to talk uh, about uh, all the spiritual quests and also talk about Allah, um, God. But um, so that personally touches me deeply. And of course, uh, there are many ways to see that. We always SCP Enneagram want to be very inclusive. But from a more personal point of view, I feel very touched. And um, yes, this is a Muslim country. Yeah. And it's different, say, for, from the US where I'm from, being in a country that is really permeated by the religion of of the country of the people and 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 you're right there is a kind of spirituality that is a little bit more on the surface than say some of the united states where i come from which tends to be more secular certainly there are pockets and there's some some groups of people that are quite spiritual or quite religious but here it's 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 different it's it's yeah. really part of the culture well and it's a living spirituality practice daily because yes. they have the salats the times for prayers every day the call to prayer and you can hear that in yeah. in the every just time. being around the call yeah. to prayer which i love hearing. yeah me too i love that and and also they use language that is spiritual you know they usually thank god uh, for everything and they say yes hopefully but uh, inshallah which is uh, if god allows me if god and, willing yeah, yeah god willing so um i think that's very respectful and i you know one of the messages uh, from my keynote was also uh, that we need to overcome a little bit of our arrogance by understanding this whole inner work thing in a less anthropocentric way, like as if we are doing everything and everything we achieve in inner work is our own merit. Because in practice, it's not exactly like that. And um, we get or not uh, granted permission for higher flights, like... Um, uh, you know, going higher in the levels of awareness. So I think these people here sort of understand that more easily. Yes. And I must say, I feel so much at home here because Egyptians as a whole are feel really like Brazilians, mm -hmm. you know, in, in their style, their way of, uh, I think Egypt, Egypt might be a seven country like my home country, Brazil. Mm and maybe a social seven country yeah, on top of that, yeah. a lot of social instinct. Yes, and, a lot. Yeah. And Brazil should be a bit more sexual. Uh, uh, seven, I think. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. And having more of that, um, yeah, the really super positivity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And here, I think there's a way of just it being a more social culture. 
Um, and certainly the way the traffic flow goes here, which is really different than what I come from, where where I come from, people drive within the lanes of traffic and here there are no lanes, but it works. You know, there's a way that like it looks like you're going to crash almost every minute and people are kind of going in and out well, and creating lanes. They crash, but they actually, you know, most cars are bumped on the lateral sides and they call it that they kiss. Yeah, you know, the cars kiss, and and they're and, they're always beeping at each other, yeah. not in a hostile way, but yeah. a I'm right here <laughs> kind yeah. of way. And it's like there is less hostility in the chaos, and it's more like a, a social instinct thing. I can definitely relate to that. I mean, coming from Brazil, and uh, I think it's a little bit about collectivist versus individualist culture. Uh, like uh, in the UK where I live, it's a little bit more each person does the right thing and then don't bother about the others much, you know. Right. And uh, it's also a self-preservation repressed yeah. country, very much so, yeah, which has, Egypt, yeah. which is definitely uh, apparent in the way the traffic goes. And not only the fact that it's a mm. bit chaotic as mm. you drive down the street with all the traffic, all the cars coming in and out in all different uh organizations and and patterns and no lanes uh, but also in the fact that they don't wear seat belts yeah. and in the u.s that's really like it's sort of we're sort of you know very trained to put on our seat belts where i come from and here i'm always looking for the seat belt and sometimes there isn't one or it doesn't work and they're kind of mystified that i'm looking for a seat belt because they don't really wear them yeah. so it's it's also a self-preservation repressed experience being here If you're enjoying the depth of knowledge offered in this podcast, you might want to stay in touch with us. B and Udanyu offer professional Enneagram training, personal development courses, self-guided online courses, and they even have a membership platform with over 100 hours of content. Head to cpenneagram.com slash podcast to learn more. Yeah, and another highlight is this land being close to so much and it's not just the pyramids and the sphinx that for sure but also so much tradition that comes from here in our view connected to all that happened uh, with the enneagram in ancient times so people and cultures and uh, traditions and also the desert fathers in the fourth century uh, that were all around here in Alexandria, the Library of Alexandria. So it's really so much. And that uh, some sometimes I just feel the connection. And the Desert Fathers were early Christian contemplatives that came to the Egyptian desert to really meditate and contemplate in a deep way. And they were Christian mystics. And some of them, including Evagrius, uh, who we may have mentioned before, really did some of the early work on clarifying the passions of the Enneagram, uh, meditating and contemplation and really getting in touch with, in a collective way, what gets between me and God, what gets between me and myself, what gets between me and my, my and other people. Well, it's it's my sloth or it's my tendency to gluttony or pride or fear or vainglory, these different things that got in the way as they meditated, they noticed coming up. And some of 
important early work connected to the Enneagram happened there, but also so much more than that. And one of the big highlights for me was, was, as I said, doing a presentation that for me almost couldn't have been done anywhere else uh, because I felt such a connection to this place. So I think the highlight is just being in this location where so much history happened where this was really the center of civilization, you know, for potentially thousands of years and thousands of years ago, it's really, there's a debate around, you know, what, what, what years, you know, truly ancient prehistoric Egypt happened and they were so advanced. It was such an advanced culture spiritually, but in many other ways. And this is, this was sort of the ancient wisdom that was alive, maybe 12,000 BC, um, you know, before the Pharaohs, but certainly at the time of the Pharaohs and, and tracing the, the wisdom behind the Enneagram back to this ancient culture was so exciting to me. And it was such an, an amazing experience. And I, of course, as I will, I got a bit emotional just starting my presentation, talking about this ancient wisdom that came from this very place. And the title of my talk was um, From Egypt to Eureka, Tracing the Ancient Wisdom Behind the Enneagram. And it was just, I don't know, I can't even describe the feeling of remembrance or the feeling of um, um, reverence for being, being able to start that discussion about where did the Enneagram come from? Can we trace it back to ancient Egypt and what can we trace it to and what did that look like and where did it go and how can we see this wisdom as uh, almost an underground stream uh, connected to all the world's religions and many different spiritual traditions, especially esoteric spiritual traditions or esoteric meaning both inner, internal and secret. Uh, a kind of wisdom that that at many times for many centuries was passed on from master to student, from master to disciple in a in the context of a school. And so this is what I talked about, and we'll talk more about that later. But one of the big highlights for me was to be able to share that in a place uh, that it actually happened. Yes, yes. <clears throat> and um, so much. Like uh, we are 15 minutes away from a very special place, in my view, and experience, which is a little cave, the crypt, where uh, Jesus and the Holy Family lived for three months when they were escaping from uh, the Holy Land and coming here. Uh, so I can't even describe the energy there. And uh, yeah, so... It's connected to a little church, right? Yes, it's this, yes. this area that you... It's amazing to be able to walk in through this kind of underground, but connected to this beautiful little church area where Jesus actually was with uh, Mary and Joseph. Um, and of course, you're so connected to spiritual energy. And so to, to be with you and hear how that affected you and, and what it felt like, it's and, incredible. And that, that get, got way more potentialized with the presence of some other friends like Janaina and Ursula from Brazil, and also Dina and Abdurrahman, Rani and you. And now, yeah, so 
it's all very, very beautiful. And another highlight be, to me from this conference was that I think we talked a little less about personality types and we talked a bit more about the growth process, sometimes even not much related to types themselves, but to the process Enneagram. Like, among other things, the levels of awareness for all of us and the work to be done and connected sometimes also to extremely beautiful and important pieces of work within Sufism and Islam. Like when our uh, very good friends Abdurrahman and Dina talked about uh, Ibn al-Arabi and, uh, you know, sometimes even other authors. And uh, that was very inspiring. But also many presentations carried not only that uh, knowledge about all that, but also the, you know, the presence and, and the state of being around that. So it was a true opportunity to stay present and to remember. Can you say a little bit about who Ibn al-Arabi was? Because people may not have heard of him. And yeah, I think he's a very important um, Sufi scholar. Uh, and and yes, we did hear a lot about his work. I included some of his work in, in my a presentation tracing the wisdom of the Enneagram in different places. He's an important figure. Can you just say a little bit more about who he is since you mentioned him and people may not know? Yeah, just just a tiny little bit. We may talk sometime about uh, more about him and Sufism and the Enneagram in the future. Um, <clears throat> he lived in, I think, in, in the 13th century or 12th century, if I'm not wrong. And uh, he was a schooler. A scholar. Very, a scholar, very, very important one. And uh, he formulated his theory, which was very complex in his original words, but then later got translated a, in a bit more easier way by some other Sufis. And even later on, in what I consider to be uh, some of the easier ways to understand him by Henri Corbin in, or Henry Corbin, mm -hmm in the American pronunciation, a, a very good author to read about him. But Ibn al-Arabi <clears throat> um, um, talked about the higher levels of awareness and what happened in there. And when I mean that, it's he talked mostly about the levels beyond the levels that you and I talk, really, mm -hmm. uh, which are very important um, because he was an extremely enlightened presence. Um, and um, also, he wasn't just representing, in my view, and this is controversial, um, only one particular lineage within uh, Sufism, any particular order. He was talking more broadly, uh, which um, I, I, I particularly appreciate. And, and of course, Sufism is the mystical branch of Islam. Exactly. It's a... It's a like the Hermetics are for yes. Christianity or yeah. Kabbalah is for Jewish tradition. Yeah. Now, one last thing about him. Um, both him and Suravardi uh, talked a lot about... Another Sufi scholar or yeah. philosopher. Yeah, very important one. They talked about the, the, the sacred role of imagination in uh, the path of remembering. 
So there's a, a lot that came from them in this beautiful discipline called active imagination of the holy attributes. We can use that, for instance, in my view, with the holy ideas on the Enneagram. But as I said, it, this may be a little bit complex for now, and we can certainly do a future podcast on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, it's one of the things that's amazing about visiting different places around the world and getting together with Enneagram friends is learning the different traditions, teachings, spiritual paths that that other people have followed and that, that have learned a lot about. I know for me, another highlight was um, uh, I have a good friend from the UK who did a presentation on Taoism in the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. And I think one of my particular passions, and this was part of my presentation, is finding the correspondences. Yeah. Like to me, when different spiritual traditions and paths say essentially the same thing, they have the same core teachings. To me, that's something that can really bring different people of different traditions together. Yeah. And I think that's part of what's behind the Enneagram is this very coherent core teaching that exists at the root of all the world's religions. And so um, my good friend, Helen English, who's from the UK, from England, um, did a really beautiful talk on Taoism and the Enneagram. And she showed how both are based on a system of nine. Both are about the universal flow of energy. Um, and she uh, really added a lot more depth to my understanding of Taoism. And the, the the practical aspects of it that can guide spiritual practice and the different ways that Enneagram and Taoism can complement each other. Uh, and also, of course, Taoism has, uh, you know, it's based on the elements, the five elements um, and things like that. And so being able to, to hear a whole new um, sort of get a whole new portal into a whole new spiritual tradition that also is connected to the Enneagram. And of course, you and I have an old friend uh, who was a, a scholar really of early esoteric Christianity, so more hidden inner Christianity. He, one of his passions was, was making connections between esoteric, early esoteric Christianity and Taoism. Yeah. And he even did a translation of the Tao Te Ching, the main text of Taoism, uh, in light of the Enneagram, yes. where he uses some language uh, that is resonant of Enneagram teachings. And it's really exciting because you can start to really sink into um, more practice, more understandings that come from these different profound traditions. And of course, Taoism is thousands of years old. Yeah, this this is all inspired, in my view, by what Egypt has represented over time. Like the Library of Alexandria um, that ran perhaps for 800 years successfully as a place of true exchange. Uh, it may be more successfully during four or five centuries, but uh, uh, in an amazing way that we can't do today. It's like a lot of tolerance, people studying everything, what could be called science uh, back then with spirituality and religions and uh, inviting in the best schoolers of the world and um, from everywhere. 
So Alexandria at this time was the very end of the Silk Road that came all the way from China and India and coming through all those places and Babylon. And, you know, so it's um, a confluence of a lot of wisdom. Yes. And of course, uh, Alexander the Great had conquered a lot of territory. And so uh, that was part of this sort of coming together of different cultures. And um, it's very exciting to see what what this library of Alexandria and just the atmosphere of Alexandria in the, in the in the early centuries BC and late centuries no late centuries BC early centuries AD or in the common era um, what what that brought together and what came forward from that and of course that was connected to part of what I presented um, but also something I think that you really know about and appreciate deeply. Yeah, I know a little bit, just just a little bit. Um, and also the, you know, the thing that you mentioned, uh, uh, ancient Egypt, but also the Egypt more ancient than ancient Egypt, which has finally been talked about in some recent books uh, that are getting, you know, more mainstream. But uh, I want to just mention that Russ Hudson has been doing a lot of work around that for some time. Uh, and it's important that people know about it with his late uh, friend, uh, John West, I think. And they have been unveiling that for us, for people. And right now, Russ is doing one of his very exciting trips around Egypt uh, to explore all of that with small groups. And um, we, we hope we can attend that sometime, Bradley. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to tour Egypt with Russ. I think he has so much knowledge and I'm so, but exactly the thing I'm fascinated by, which is really ancient Egyptian um, religion, spirituality. It was so um, deep and, uh, and said so much and is really different than what you hear from academic Egyptologists. It's like the real story behind the story uh, and so fascinating in so many ways. I think another highlight for me was one of the priorities of the conference organizers were to include many Egyptian presenters. Yes. And so, you know, in and addition... Quite good ones. Yes. In addition to some of the people that we may have seen at other international conferences, um, really getting to see um, some local coaches, um, you know, you know, people who really know a lot of things who are diving into different areas of specialty and knowledge in the Enneagram. Um, and, you know, people who, who I think shared with us in conversations um, in between sessions about the work they were doing and how it was connected to some of the things that we're passionate about. Uh, and so there were many different really, and a lot of young people really, mm. you know, exciting energy having to do with um, new understandings. And, and there's really been, I think, some sort of interesting explosion of interest in the Enneagram here in Egypt in the last few years. And by the way, this is the second international conference they did in two years. They did one right before COVID in, in uh, late January, early February 2020. Um, and so to have two really successful conferences within a few years 
in one region, I think it reflects this real upwelling of interest that's happened in just the last, I want to say, five years here in Egypt, where it's attracted a lot of different international teachers, but also it's created this sort of ferment or this very alive, active um, culture of learning around around the Enneagram here in, in a way that's very exciting. Right. Yeah, so really honored to be here, very pleased with the conference and looking forward really to doing our courses now. Uh, we'll have, we'll meet um, old, old and new students and I'm so happy for that. It also feels good to teach in person a bit more after so much time teaching on Zoom. Yeah. Yeah, I also have to say I wouldn't I wouldn't be me if I didn't say that another one of the highlights was the food. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought the food both here at the conference hotel and here in Egypt uh-huh. is so good. It's yeah. it's yeah, it's been really it fun. It really is. And 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 we get indulged by our friend uh, Abdurrahman. Yes. You know, he orders everything. You don't eat all kinds of meat that he offers you, right? Yeah, well, but, yeah, uh, yeah. But anyway, yeah. I'm not an adventurous meat eater, but, um, but I like meat. The hotel many was quite good also. Yeah. And we're right now uh, overseeing from my room the, the historic Tahir Square. Yes, we're and recording of course, this overlooking Tahir Square where yeah. the revolution happened uh, 11 years ago. Right, and um, and your room, of course, as always, is a little more posh, and you overlook the Nile. I overlook the Nile, yes. I've been gazing at the Nile from my hotel room window all, all week, so it's been... Uh, just a, an amazing gift and an honor to be here in this incredibly historic place with this um, really beautiful multi-dimensional culture. And today, and uh, I think we need to go soon, <laughs> we are going to to the pyramids again and uh, talking with friends and doing some inner work close to that very sacred place. Yes, yes. So we're on our way to visit the pyramids, um, which is just uh yeah it, it words can't describe how thrilling it is yeah. uh, to be here in in egypt the real the the as trent said the big cradle of you know civilization of enneagram work probably going back uh, millennia right right and the sphinx and more yeah so we'll be hopefully in front of the sphinx later today mm-hmm. uh which is incredible uh, and we'll say more in a future podcast about uh, some of the research we've been doing into the history behind the Enneagram and the, the traditions behind it. Um, and I'm excited to share that with you really soon. Any last thoughts about uh, our, you know, our report from the Egyptian conference? No, I think I think we covered it. Um, I just feel like we are. Li- probably not mentioning many names of other friends yeah. uh, but uh, yeah it, it feels good to have been with all of them yeah yeah exactly and as usual one of the amazingly powerful things about the Enneagram is not only how much it helps us learn about ourselves in such a deep way but also how it brings us together 
with other like-minded people. Um, and I think that's another thing that, that was really special this week, whether it was, uh, you know, the, again, the big honor of getting to share our new book here with, with more people, because it's, it's hard actually to, to buy books, you know, from other countries, uh, sometimes in Egypt. And there's an amazing bookstore here that really helps, uh, bring our, bring books from all over, uh, around the, the Enneagram here. Um, but just to, to see the spark, the, the depth of interest and aliveness right. and um, commitment to awakening that exists here among the Enneagram community members yeah. here in Egypt. Yes, yes. I just want to mention Mauro Vedovello, our friend from Italy, who presented on philosophy and so many more. Yeah, yeah. Ingrid from South Africa doing the end note and more. Yeah, Nien from the United yes, States yes, is a beautiful yes. person that we get to we got to say hello to here. Really, so many people, too many to mention, uh, but hopefully, maybe even people will interview in upcoming podcasts. Right. Well, thank you, B, for this uh, debrief. Yes. Yes, and we hope uh, we hope that uh, it's been interesting to you to hear a little bit of the report from Cairo. More soon. So join us again for our next Enneagram 2.0 podcast, where we talk about all things Enneagram.